calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome to Story Smack. Hello, my name is A. Kovacs, audiobook narrator and founding partner at Empty Set Entertainment. And my name is Scott Sigler, best-selling novelist, and this podcast will make you a sexual tyrannosaurus. This is episode 20 of Story Smack, a podcast about stories and storytellers in the world of pop culture. In this episode, we're cracking open a discussion about an absolute sci-fi classic because it's the 30th anniversary of Predator. 30th, 30 years. It's crazy. The only movie in history, A. Kovacs, to feature not one, but two future governors. In short, this movie forever changed the face of American politics. Well, maybe. Maybe a little bit. A little bit, yeah. 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 So that was a tiny spoiler. So I'm going to give everybody a spoiler alert for right now. Moving forward, uh, we're going to talk Predator. We're going to talk all the movies that are related to Predator. This is your spoiler alert. Yes, yes. Predator was released on June 12th, 1987. Some of you weren't even born yet. That's a fact. If you haven't seen this and you weren't born yet, you need to watch it. Of course, it stars the governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, but also featured kick-ass performances from Carl Weathers, who was Apollo Creed from the Rocky movies and the star of the most, the incredibly underrated Action Jackson. <laughs> yes, Action Jackson. Jesse the Body Ventura, WWF star. It wasn't WWE back then, it was WWF, who would go on to become the governor of Minnesota, an amazing performance by Bill Dukes, who is awesome in the movie. And of course, it also had a small role for Shane Black, who played the short-lived Hawkins. Shane Black is the one of my scriptwriter heroes, mm-hmm. and he wrote Lethal Weapon, Lethal Weapon 2, Lethal Weapon 3, The Monster Squad, The Long Kiss Goodnight, The Last Action Hero, and a few others, too. Hmm. There have been a few sequels and a few tie-in movies, of course. Danny Glover starred in the also underrated mm. Predator 2 in 1990. Love that movie. Then the Robert Rodriguez-directed film Predators in 1990, starring Adrian Brody. You love the Adrian Brody. Oh, I know. 1990, though. Yeah. can't believe that's 1990. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, there's also Alien vs. Predator, 2004, Aliens vs. Predators, uh, Requiem in 2007, and next year, next year, we'll finally have a new sequel, yes. Predators, directed by who, FDO? It is directed by none other than the aforementioned Shane Black, one of, if not the biggest screenwriter of action flicks ever, gets to direct his own big budget sequel to one of the greatest action flicks ever. Mm-hmm. I got a good feeling about it. this. Isn't I have a great feeling about this. <laughs> this isn't like when I heard about um, Aliens Covenant and I'm like, Ooh, I got a bad feeling about this one. I have a very good feeling about Predators. Shane Black is a very stripped down classic screenwriter, doesn't get too complicated, knows how to write a great story. We're going to talk a lot about that as we get into it. 
Uh, do we know if Arnold will be in it? It is unknown at this time. There are rumors that Arnold will be in it. Don't know what role. He may be reprising his role of Dutch. I doubt they would put him in as a cameo, but he's not going to be the star of it, I don't think. Um there are some very interesting stars who are currently associated with the film, according to IMDb. Olivia Munn, the X-Men alum. Thomas Jane, the Punisher alum. Keegan-Michael Key of Key and Peele fame, <laughs> who's uh, doing more serious stuff right he now. Is, yeah. uh, Edward James Olmos, Commander Adama from Battlestar Galactica. Mm. And the one I'm really interested in from a personal, uh, just the, the actors that I dig, Jake Busey, who's the son of Gary Busey. Um, Gary's character in Predator 2 was killed at the hands of the titular character. So hopefully Mr. Shane Black is writing in Jake's character to be the son of that guy. So we get some awesome <laughs> family revenge plot going on. When you on. first started to say, oh, I was most excited about Jake Busey. I was like, hmm, what? Yeah, that's a different what? one. That, you, don't, you don't hear that a lot, do you? Yeah, no, no. So this is a big franchise, not counting The Predator, which hasn't come out yet. The franchise has already brought in... $582 million against total production budgets of $203 million. So 20th Century Fox has made a tidy little profit Just here. a tidy, tidy little profit. So let's get into our analysis of the movie. And then I have an awesome element to add to this podcast. Oh, you do? Yes. I mean, is it possibly maybe 15 things that we might not know about Predator? That's exactly what it is. Okay. It's my favorite bit of our, our whole show. <laughs> okay, so let's get into this flick. So from the opening, um, you know, this is not, there's subtlety is not the middle name of the Predator's movie, although Predator has only one name, so it'd be the last or whatever. Right, right. Um, it, right from the opening, we've got completely over the top music, dramatic wartime scenes, everything is cranked up to 11 from the get-go. Uh, we then get into the iconic scene, which we'll post a shot of, I think, in the show notes over at scottsigler.com slash podcast slash Predator where we get to see Carl Weathers and Arnold Schwarzenegger showing off their preposterous biceps <laughs> <laughs> and both completely being the man at exactly the same time. It's great. Um, but, but even before that, I would like to point out that this, that Predator is directed by John McTiernan, who we talked a lot oh, about during right. Die Hard, mm -hmm. during our Die Hard, Die Hard stories, Mac. Um, and so he's right in that groove of, you know, like what turns on a 1980s action movie crowd. Yep. He's got, he does it again and again and again, and then falls off the face of the earth. But he did it here, too. He killed He killed this movie. Um, and we'll start going through our, our timestamp analysis, which we like to do. At five minutes and 42 seconds, uh, we, have, we see that Carl Weathers and the CIA have tried to, in the past, recruit Dutch and his team of crack mercenaries. <laughs> right. You know, tried to, tried to recruit them to be hitmen. And uh, to, to, to rub people out. And even though we we're dealing with all these badass soldiers who kill people all the time, they still got that heart of gold. I know, they have a moral code. Sir. They have a moral code. Their moral code is we are rescue team, not assassins. So um, that's that's pretty good. That's not a not an ineffective moral code. <laughs> it's not a more effective moral code. At six minutes thirty seven seconds in, wow, uh, classic uh, classic writing style for these eras of movies. Uh, we've established a friendly yet rivals relationship between Schwarzenegger and Weathers and painting the picture that Schwarzenegger, of course, is not an assassin. He is a rescue operator. Not even seven minutes into the film, we've established that rivalry and we've established that they have to go in and get this very important person and boom, seven minutes into the film, just seven minutes, we've met our two main characters and we've got helicopters flying into the jungle to deposit our characters in the 
shit. So very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. We've established setup. We've established the main two characters. We've established a rivalry. We've established what they find important. And boom, we are into the action. Sure. Yeah. And I also have a note right around then when, when Dutch first, first comes in and he's all shiny and perfect, but normal, um, normal-ish human being when mm-hmm. he's in that red polo. Yep. And there's that confrontational moment with Carl Weathers and, uh, and, and then they, who are both known as action heroes, really, and mm-hmm. normally if, you know, the brawnier you are, the less brainy you are, they have this perfect moment of exactly everything you just said. It's really like they become... Not their muscles, not their power play, not their, you know, they're sweaty in the jungle, right. whatever, but people. And I, it, I find that super fascinating that you picked that out, too. I thought McTiernan was really good directing this because this was, and I don't think people have this perception anymore that Schwarzenegger is a big dummy. He's just all muscle. But back right. then, he well, was still yeah. catching a lot of that shit from Conan and, and, and Terminator. He had very few lines in, in his background. And uh, the opening establishing scenes with... Schwarzenegger and Weathers are so great because they are clearly really, really sharp individuals in mm-hmm. that movie. So McTiernan does a really good job of using that non-action scene to strip away a lot of the patina of Schwarzenegger at the time and be like, yeah, deal with this is a smart, accomplished person, deal with him. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so as we're on the helicopter ride in this very tightly, tightly written screenplay, we use this helicopter ride to establish the setting of an endless jungle. And we do very subtle brushstrokes on our secondary actors. Um, you know, it's Jesse the Body Ventura. We see Shane Black with Bill Dukes. And we see Billy. We see Billy who, <laughs> who killed it. Uh, we got to look up that actor's name. I didn't get that down. Um, and a small thing that I really dig in movies, when we have this opening scene, which if you're established veteran movies, you know, okay, now here, let me, let me introduce to you the other characters in this play. We've seen a million times. The background music is actually being listened to by the characters in oh, a yeah, boombox that's that. strapped yeah. up. And I always find that to be such a subtle thing because that's that moment. You are not, it's not, look at these actors and look at this, listen to this background music. I am listening to the background music with the actors and yeah. it makes me much more feel like I'm there with them and they're real people. Right, right. for sure, for sure. Uh, so that beginning, it doesn't, Things don't go their way. No. It isn't as easy all the time. We got the guy who tells bad jokes. This is their initial character sketches. You only have a little bit of time. It's a seven-person cast. <laughs> guy who tells bad jokes. Guy who doesn't talk. The guy who chews a lot of chaw. One guy who shaves all the time for no particular reason. But it's a fantastic <laughs> character brushstroke. You, really you always remember Bill Dukes with that disposable razor. So incredibly short little brushstrokes that make the secondary characters instantly come to life. It's kind of a like a Stephen King almost type yeah. influence where you know, two sentences he can take a secondary character, make them stick with you forever. And there's a, a kind of an interesting conundrum there, right? Because when they go into the jungle and they're wearing face paint and whatever, so mm-hmm. it can't you can't do it isn't as easy to do physical characteristics. Now, some of them, they're all different skin colors, and you might be able to see some of that, but having that, you're always going to see that blue razor or what have you is, yeah. a, is a pretty interesting tick if you're then going to send them in camo into the jungle. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and then the movie starts to kick in. 11 minutes, 30 seconds. The very first hint of the iconic drums that if you are a child of the 80s or 90s, you still, the second you hear those, you hear those drums, you're like, oh, that's the Predator sound. One of the, one of the many, the sound design in this was exceptional. And that marks the soundtrack for the whole movie. And it is our theme music for the Predator. When the Mm -hmm. Predator's around, we get those drums. Now, which you see, that's actually just in the beginning, pulling back into the desert palm fronds. It's, it's 
few minutes more before yeah. we ever see the predator. Oh, it's many minutes before we yeah. see the predator. So I find that so interesting because they're assigning characteristics to the predator because the predator has a problem that he can't be seen mm-hmm. by us too, by right. the people outside. So that's pretty smart because everything else, they're sort of giving you a visual tick, the the razor or whatever, but predator gets an audio tick. At 13 minutes, 47 seconds, we start to see something that I sort of have a little bit of an issue with and sort of not because this is a 30-year-old movie, right? And that is the one American Indian character in the cast also happens to be an expert tracker. Now, I shouldn't complain about this. because I mean, it's, it's overly cliche, right? I shouldn't complain because this is a very diverse cast. And that's something kind of ahead of its, t- maybe ahead of its time for back then. I think so. You I know? mean, I, I think there's a dual, um, dual protagonal, protagonist man, mm-hmm. you know, and that that's ahead of its time. And having one black and one white certainly doesn't, isn't wildly out of a place where people would be right. doing that. But it certainly is. It's the same era as Lethal Weapon. Uh, yeah, exactly. Which is just like, just this like is, Lethal yeah. Weapon. This mm-hmm. is, it's completely irrelevant. The nationality, identity, race, color, creative, the characters, they're just all these, these people doing this particular thing. So, right. I think it's the char- the internal ca- catalog or, uh, character dialogue that they do yeah. too. Now as a side note, it reminded me of, we recently saw Wonder Woman, which was awesome and super fun. Um, but in Wonder Woman, they have American Indian character who actually uses smoke signals to communicate. And you're like, that's a little bit on the nose. Yeah. That's a little, that one is a little more, um, I, I think would be more problematic. I don't mind this one because they are a, a pulled together for hire mercenary team. Okay. So it isn't outrageous to me if they believe they would need a tracker as if that those skills can just transplant to any terrain. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, that, that is a trait of, of Native Americans. So I can see if they were pulling together a four pay team, they may go find a Well, Billy kills it. And I love, love, love. I think Billy completely steals the show in this movie and, it, and he's surrounded by awesome over the top characters, but his really subtle performance through the whole thing is, uh, is, and, and uh, it's McTiernan. You can see McTiernan's hand at all times. We were laughing. We were watching this. There's so many shots where you're like, we play it, we rewind it, play it again. And I'd pretend to be McTiernan. I'm like, all right, now look down. Now slowly look up, <laughs> stare, stare, hold it. Now slowly look away. Like there's yeah. these seven or eight second shots. I wonder if that's a, it probably could be a McTiernan thing, but there's also that, it's got that same vibe and feel of a lot of 80s things. Like yeah. Lethal Weapon. Yeah, the, um, you know, people are who they are and we're not going to discuss what they are, but, you know, Billy comes because he's Native American with a tracking ability or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel is is broader than just McTiernan. Maybe it's that same Miami Vice feel stuff like that. So I wonder if there's an, but I can't identify what the eighties, like if it was MTV, if it was music videos, you know, big hair and makeup on dudes was singing metal was okay. You know, iconic. So there were some stylistic elements to that era. Yeah. But I can't figure out what that is on, on film. Right. Um, they're very, I think one of the big ones that they're very apolitical, like they're not getting into mm-hmm. the huge politics of any, at any era in American history. We have our own internal politics. They tend to completely ignore those. Um, you know, McTiernan films will reference the Vietnam War, but only because that trained dudes to be, you know, to mm-hmm. be killers yeah. and to be, to be soldiers. Um, the, other thing, the other thing I think you see in a lot of these action movies is the, the stereotypical stupid characters are just not there. You don't, solve a crime because a, cr- a criminal is really stupid. You don't beat the enemy because they're so dumb and we outsmarted them. And all of the characters in Predator, they're all smart. There is not one character that you see in this who acts 
in a way that I don't think any of us would act in those situations. Other than I'd probably be peeing my pants a lot more. I mean, it is the jungle. Probably somebody peed their pants. I'm pretty sure I would just get that over right out, right out of the bat. <laughs> I'm like, okay, there's our buddy. There's our buddy's entrails. We can't find our buddy's body. I'm One just gonna... second. <laughs> One second. I'm going to pee myself. Hold on. I have to pee myself. Hold on. I have to shat myself. All right, let's go. <laughs> I'm on the ones and twos and I'm done. Let's go. <laughs> Wait a minute. Every once in a while, and I think the, the folks who are listening have heard us talk about this. We discussed the zombie apocalypse wherein I would run out and say, I'm very, very smart and I have a lot of brains. Please kill me. Uh-huh. And you say, no, 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 no. Right. However, you would pee and poop yourself to That's be right. on an island with a predator. That's correct. Let's just get it out of the way, right? Otherwise, you're going to be holding that and it, it takes away your concentration. Like, I, oh my gosh, I don't want to poo myself. I got to hold on. I got to hold on. I'm like, just done. <laughs> the, like, the ones and twos are done. Let's get this out of the, let's go. Let's I get to, let's go to war. I can't believe this. It's is a smelly war, but it's a war. This got out, this got away from me. <laughs> it's jumped up a notch. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday. So make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. All right, so uh, we have our classic early action scenes, right? Oh, in 1718, we see some bodies and we get... We are introduced to the deep suspicion that Schwarzenegger has for Carl Weathers. He thinks there's something else going on here. Uh, there's Green Braves who are skinned, strung up high, and Schwarzenegger knows something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Also, at this point, we're t- about 20 minutes in the movie. You're just overwhelmed with the jungle scenes. They're spectacular. Mm-hmm. There's, we watched on Blu-ray. Everything was crystal clear. But the color saturation of the jungle um, and the camel kind of blends in with the jungle and McTiernan does a lot of green palette, green palette, and then mm-hmm. here's some red. And green palette, and here's this. And these yeah. things just, it's gorgeous. And this is right around the time that we first see anything from the predator point of view. Uh-huh. And that's exactly the opposite. That's sort of a flat right. palette, except for the very, well, I mean, in one way it's the same. It's a very flat palette, uh-huh. not a very vibrant palette. But then there, there's the one bit of red or yellow or whatever that is a heartbeat or whatnot. And um, at 1827, we get the first sighting of Painless which is the minigun mm-hmm. that Jesse the body carries around. Mm-hmm. And trust me, as a young man, you were pretty friggin' blown away. Like, oh my gosh, Jesse the body's carrying a minigun. This is awesome. <laughs> he was the first guy to do that in a movie. So you were just, you were completely blown away. And Jesse the body was just awesome. A side note, awesome in this. Um, almost 19 minutes in, McTiernan's taking great pains to show how effective the camouflage is of Schwarzenegger and his fellow soldiers. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of panning shots, a lot of shots where we see we see Schwarzenegger move and cross off camera, and then behind him is Weathers, and then Weathers moves, and then behind him is Billy. A lot of these chain shots so that 
as a guy passes in front of your view, you're not noticing the other guy standing right there. Then that guy moves like, oh, there's Carl Weathers. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's part of his whole, I don't know if this is a screenwriter or McTiernan or anybody else involved, but it's part of this whole subtle thing. Like we're going to show you how effective, what it's like for world-class hunters to go into the jungle and hunt something with superior firepower, superior camouflage. And what you don't know, what you don't see what they're doing at the time is when the predator comes out, it's that exponential level above, above us. We hunt deer and we can do all these things. We're basically invisible to the deer. We have weapons the deer can't possibly conceive of, et cetera. And the predator comes out as hunting us. It's the same level up. Yeah. It's, it's kind of fun. Uh, 20 minutes and 47 seconds. Uh, long shot of Schwarzenegger's butt. I thought we should point that out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's basically a TNA flick. This is a TNA flick I, with guns. I don't think. No, I don't. There's not there's very little T or A. We have we have well T and A in the larger sense. We have what I'm going to guess combined maybe total with guns and arms. Yeah, eight and a half minutes of sweaty dudes okay, moving okay. things and muscles fluttering. I mean, it's a T and A flick. Okay, okay. okay. Um, let's see. At 25 minutes into the movie, 25 minutes into Schwarzenegger, it's about goddamn time we got some explosions and some gunfire. You've been disappointed thus far. I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm watching. I'm like, guys, I got, I got a late lunch scheduled. I, don't I mean, if we don't get to some kind of carnage and bloodshed soon, I'm going to have to hit the pause button. But didn't you, didn't you see all the camo and face paint and it's all build up. Snarliness. <laughs> General snarliness. A lot of machismo going on. So we get, and then this is, what's interesting about it is we get classic Schwarzenegger movie completely over the top combat scenes. There's an explosion. There's slow motion guys yeah. flying through the air. You know, you hit with a bullet and blown back. And really, really, really pretty injuries. <laughs> it's great. Um, you know, lots of lots of dead. Lots of screams of pain. And of course, lots of one liners. Mm. Knock knock. Mm. Yeah, it's just it's stuff that we we just love. Um, Twenty seven minutes and some serious A team shit, which is when the bad guys fire at our good guys, they can't hit them. Yeah. At all with automatic weapons. Dun-da-da-dum. 28 minutes and 40 seconds, 46 seconds in the line that um, my high school buddy, Jeff Rabelge probably said more than anything else in high school. Is, I ain't got time to bleed, which is classic. Turns out yet classic, yet untrue. <laughs> he totally had time to bleed. Not much. No, because the wound was quarter- cauterized. Quarterized is not even a thing. <laughs> that's what I get for change for my hamburger. I've been quarterized. You have, well, that's a good hamburger then. We're 35 minutes into this film. And you guys, if you haven't watched it, go back and watch it. This will blow your mind. 35 minutes in, we still haven't seen the Predator. Oh, yeah. And it's another all. like seven, eight minutes before we do. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Ama- it's amazing because guess what? Named Predator. The movie is named Predator. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, at 42 minutes and four seconds into this movie, this is the first time we see the monster. So... This is a podcast about storytellers. I'm a storyteller. You are. This movie and Aliens were huge influences on my writing career, right? Or my, my storytelling style. I remember when I wrote Ancestor, it, uh, we start with the ancestor as a single cell animal that is slowly growing and splitting and becoming something else. And Ancestor has a very long payout. You're like halfway through the book or more before you see the monster. Now, when I wrote this and had it in front of editors and agents and everybody else, there was so much pushback. People were like, no, this is a horror story. We have to see the monster sooner. We got to get something sooner. Nobody's going to wait through all this. And I was like, au contraire, mon frere. <laughs> I felt that you know the, the, the stylistic influence that had been imprinted on me by Aliens and Ancestor, where we get through, we get through half the movie 
before you see the bad guy. Alien and predator, you mean? Yeah. A- a- alien, aliens, and an alien too. Alien mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. You go through most of these movies without seeing the bad guy at all. It's a, it's it's a it, it's a tension building skill, but if you can pull it off, mm-hmm. it does wonderful things. Yeah. Most monster books of the time, when I was writing Ancestor, almost invariably it goes something like this: late night lab. <laughs> Janitor is working late to clean up some spills on the floor. Oops, someone left the back the back cupboard open. <laughs> You're Janitor- gonna make it sound like it's a choose your own adventure. <laughs> Janitor mops near back cupboard, hears a noise, goes to investigate, eyes go wide with fear, something off screen grabs him, cut, fade to black, open up the next day, scientist driving to work. Like yeah. that's every friggin' monster bug at the time. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, we get then we have the tragic scene, the death of Jesse the Body Ventura, mm. and then he's, he's, he definitely he bought it hard. He bought it hard, and then Bill Dukes. I feel Bill Dukes. There's several show stealing performances in this movie. Um, Bill Dukes was awesome, just yes. awesome in this movie. And this is where that earlier setup time pays off. Real subtle scenes with the two of them in a helicopter, then the two of them just sharing uh, Jesse the Body and Bill Dukes sharing a drink. Mm-hmm. We have spent, I'm going to guess, a to- less than two minutes. Oh, yeah, at least. Establishing their relationship. At, at max, I mean, at max two at minutes. At max two yep. minutes. But when Jesse the Body's dead and Bill Dukes is mourning over Jesse's corpse, those less than two minutes really hammer home and become powerful. Because mm-hmm. now it's not just some guy mourning over some other guy. It's their best friends. And mm-hmm. it's it. I'm every time I watch this movie, I'm stunned by the storytelling skill of the screenwriter, the director, and the actors to do that. After just a couple of minutes throwing these dudes together, when Bill Dukes is upset over Jesse the Body's death, you're like, it's it's gutting. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, impressive. Yeah. Um, the When we see the Predator make, make his first kill, mm-hmm. uh, that is a fascinating... Uh, sort of look at which which special effects department does what thing because the predator is a sam winston character and they of course so the makeup is great like so when the body dies and he doesn't have time to bleed that's a you see barely see that prosthetic and it's awesome it's amazing yeah um but then the first death there's a moment which i'm not sure if that would be makeup Uh or fx where you with their you're focused on the um their, their, the woman's face, mm-hmm. the, 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 uh, prisoner's face. And, uh, you, you see this blood splatter from when the soldier dies, mm-hmm. which is awesome. It's beautiful, beautiful. And then the predator comes and drags him by the foot through the, through the, the forest mm-hmm. or the jungle. And it is terrible FX. It's not like he's dragging a 180 pound man and no leaves are distressed. They're all fine and not dragged along. There's just red blood splatter the blood trail yeah the oh, solid blood doesn't trail. make any sense at all it's crazy and there's two scenes in here where we noticed i've seen this before it's uh where schwarzenegger jumps uh, comes out of the mudslide and falls into the river mm-hmm. and then the scene where bill dukes is laying down fire with a minigun where the 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 quality of the film changes Oh and yeah, yeah it's very this. bizarre you're watching this crystal clear crystal clear thing and then also on those two scenes it's a little bit low res and a little bit fuzzy. And we were wondering about that. So if anybody has any knowledge of that, yeah. put it in the comments, scottsegler.com slash podcast slash predator, because it's almost like they had test footage and yeah. they, they, they then lost the main footage of the main, something happened and they decided we're, we're just going to have to, we have to go with the test footage. That's all we've got. We got to use or it. Or bought stock footage that didn't quite match. Or had yeah. a B a B a B crew shooting some stuff and something went wrong. But then after it went wrong, they didn't have the budget or time to go back and make it right. So Let's see. So we've got at 56 minutes, we've got Billy's best line in the movie. 
we're all going to die, <laughs> which I've channeled that for Michael Kimberlin in the GFL series. Oh, interesting. Michael Kimberlin is very fond of saying, we're all going to die. And that's so Michael, Ki- Billy, <laughs> Billy is my, uh, Michael Kimberlin is my Billy. And then, you know, again, with all the elements of, of hunting, we've got camo so advanced, his camo is to us what our camo is to deers. Mm. We've got hunter's blinds. We've got duck calls. We've got, you know, mocking the, mocking the vocal sounds of the prey animal to bring the prey animal in closer. So many things, a lot of subtleties in that. So I dig that. Well, and it's right around this time when all the carnage starts that, um, the sound design comes back in and the, the orchestration by Adam, uh, Silvestri. Okay. It comes at Alan Silvestri. Mm becomes like the seven or eight or nine or 10 horror movies that you've seen in the recent past. It becomes that prey predator music too, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that we would associate with the nightmare before Elm streets or the Halloween's or whatever, lots of strings, lots of short staccato poles, things Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And it just, the whole time that the predator is, they are chasing the predator or the the predator is chasing them through the jungle. It's this, very horror movie music and it's, yeah. it's very effective very effective um then you get a couple of things that it was um special effects hadn't quite caught up with the movie most of the movie stands up i mean the practical effects of predator are absolutely flawless i mean it's it could not it, it is real it could not look more real it's great mm-hmm. evolutionary design eh, but overall you know the whole thing is great and then you get all of that electricity crap sparkling over the Predator. Yeah. And I believe that was still in the air when they had to hand draw that in frame by frame. And you get that that visible crackle like in mm-hmm. Ghostbusters mm-hmm. where things are great. So I, that and that that that's pretty much the only thing that doesn't stand up the test time. Now, the camouflage, I think some people would say, well, that looks a little fake. But it's abs- in the movie, it's absolutely perfect because it yeah. is an artificial camouflage so it's not going to look absolutely perfect so that that visual still holds up and then at one hour and 16 minutes we get the classic arnold schwarzenegger line what did they say <laughs> oh you keep what, what does he say one minute one hour 16 minutes um get to the chopper get to the chopper <laughs> i was trying to get you to say it because get you're... to the chopper <laughs> it's awesome it's awesome and then we're now we're down to the mano a mano Hour and 22 minutes in, Schwarzenegger is setting up all the booby traps for his, uh, his gunless battle against the Predator. And we get to see, there's an earlier scene where they are building traps. And Carl Weathers refers to all that Boy Scout shit. You really think all this Boy Scout shit's going to work? So that's an excellent setup. It's a foreshadowing and a setup for the end of the movie when Schwarzenegger has nothing left. And we need to have this impossible battle for him to win. Right. He's making all these traps and it, it, you buy into it all the way. It makes perfect sense. And then... Um, the brilliant scene, one hour, 27 minutes, one of my favorite scenes in the movie where Schwarzenegger is hold, hugging the tree, mud face Schwarzenegger is holding the tree mm-hmm. and we see him through the camouflage of the predator who yeah. doesn't even know he's there. Yeah. That's one of those subtle things that, that hopefully the screener came up with like, well, we got to do like, that's genius. That's brilliant. It totally puts a capstone on the whole concept of the camouflage predator. It's just wonderful. And if yeah. you see Arnold's wide eyes, it's all so well shot. And it's interesting because uh, that that scene all of a sudden. So think about all the things that I've already accepted about the technology and, and just mm-hmm. suspended my disbelief. The Predator's camouflage, the Predator's ability to heat sea and no matter what and mm-hmm. not differentiate between a tiny hedgehog and a human. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, but what I cannot forgive apparently is 
mud will hide Arnold fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger's heat signature. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, why can't, I can, I absolutely can suspend my disbelief and believe a predator exists. But the mud, the mud's too much for you. I'm like, bah, whatever. (laughs) I don't understand that. Yeah. It's, that's, that's one of the, one of the MacGuffins. You gotta, you just gotta let that one go. And then at one hour and 35 minutes, another one of my favorite scenes in this movie where the predator, a creature from another planet, bipedal though, bilaterally symmetrical, very mm-hmm. similar to mm-hmm. similar to us, busts out the universally known gesture, apparently universally known of spread the arms and squat, come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All through the galaxy, we know the come at me, bro symbol. We do. It's fantastic. And then another really subtle touch with sound design, uh, hour and 37 minutes into this film. You've got the Predator just whooping ass on Arnold Schwarzenegger. And you see it almost all through Predator vision. And you also get it through Predator hearing. And in Predator hearing, they they crank up the speed and pitch of Arnold's voice. So he sounds like a helpless little kid. He's making oh, basically little yeah. kid noises. Little kid noises of pains and grunts. And it's it, it, it further magnifies how utterly helpless this incredibly powerful guy is in the face of this. Which I think... Was, uh, you know, I don't know if that's a risk for Schwarzenegger at the time, but Schwarzenegger is the most physical actor that has ever been in movies at that point. He is Mr. Universe. He's this giant muscly guy. And then he goes in a movie where when he at the end in the, in the finale, he is dwarfed by his opposition, much bigger, much stronger. And they make him sound like a, a, a mewling little kid. It's quite a, quite an f- interesting transition. Yeah, but I mean... It- <laughs> It, he ends up the hero, so... Yeah, but he beats him. He beats him with his mind. Right, exactly. Right? So, like, the temporary... temporary. I, I, I think that that's, that's worth giving up the temporary uh, t- power position for. Yeah. Because you know you're going to get it back in the end. Yes, but all, all really, 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 really good stuff. Um, definitely, you guys, watch that. If you have any comments about it, go to scottsdale.com slash podcast slash predator, and we will uh, we'll see what you have to say. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, I got my, I got, I get that. I got some stuff. You got some stuff. I got some stuff. What do you have stuff about? Uh, 15, How many stuffs? 15. Okay. And maybe we'll see. 15 things you did not know about prior. We're doing pretty good on time on this one. Uh, this is from an article written by Sean Hutchinson over at Mental Floss. Um, number one, the movie was almost titled Hunter. Interesting. It was, it wasn't switched to Predator until after production. Wow. So you go back to think about all the, all the pains they take to establish. If something hunted us with a technological superiority level equal to us hunting deer, that really makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And really, Predators, it's a horrible name because he doesn't eat us. He doesn't eat us. Right. Hunter, much better name. But Predators become so iconic. Uh, the pitch for the movie name, the pitch for the movie name drops some recognizable hits. In the film's DVD commentary, John McTiernan shared the film was pitched as Rocky meets Alien, but McTiernan saw it more like King Kong. Quote, a bunch of guys go to an island and go deeper and deeper in, and Shazam, the thing they're chasing, turns out to be bigger than they thought, and they have to turn around and run away. Mm. Very simple. Yeah. Very straightforward. The film was, number three, the film was shot entirely on location in Mexico. Uh, The fictional jungles of Valverde are actually locations of Puerto Vallarta and Palenque, 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 Mexico. However, because the Mexican jungle is deciduous, tons of fake leaves had to be added to the trees in order to make the jungle seem lush and inescapable. It's yeah, fantastic. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I wonder what they would do today. I wonder if it's now reasonably less expensive to go to a jungle. 
I don't know, but jungle shots are there. Any outdoor shot apparently is very difficult. And if you're really going to get remote, but you know, so much of that could be soundstage. Who knows? That's not our, that's not our back. Shane Black was cast for his script exp- expertise, not his acting chops. Yeah. Well, he has a tiny, tiny part. He has a tiny part, but this is, this is awesome. This is smart people at work. He had previously written the screenplay for Lethal Weapon. He was covertly cast in the film so he would be able to make on the fly and uncredited script changes while on set, which makes it even more benefiting that the black that he is writing the new film. So they basically found a super cheap way yeah, to be able to adjust it without having to pay the screenwriter to be there. The Look of the Commando is based on the Sergeant Rock comics, which we mm-hmm. see Shane Black character reading at one point. Um, Predator was Jesse the Body Ventura's first movie. And I thought he did exceptionally well. He would later serve as the governor of Minnesota from 99 to 2003. <laughs> yes. 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 Which is fabulous. I did know that, though. So is that one of the 15 facts I didn't know? Because I actually knew that one. No, that was one of the sub-facts. So, so that's The not fact that it was his first movie, that you didn't know. I did, didn't. Didn't know that. Didn't know. Here's one. I don't know why this is in here. Old Painless shot blanks. The minigun. <laughs> really? You guys didn't use live ammunition in a minigun? That's crazy. <laughs> but it was still extremely deadly. Um, the cast and crew were required to stand at least 50 feet away every time it was fired. These very dangerous weapons. The Predator's heat vision isn't actually heat vision. Uh, this is number eight. They tried to use actual heat vision, but the specific camera proved impractical for the on-location shoot. Instead, normal footage was made into a negative image in post-production and exaggerated, quote, heat vision colors, end quote, were added to create the effect. Wow. Yeah. So they just... They just hand-painted they all it. that in. They yeah. winged it. They're like, well, we went to do this and this doesn't work. So we, guys, we got to come up with something yeah, or we're screwed. Our entire script is talking about the heat vision. <laughs> it's important, guys. Here's my second favorite thing you did not know. First thing. The second favorite thing. The Predator's glowing green blood was made from glow sticks. I did know that. They actually, actually but they originally were going to use an orange substance for the creature's blood, figuring they would spiff it up with special effects in post-production. But the orange goop looks so bad on camera, they decided they had to make a change. They wound up using luminescent liquid from the inside of glow sticks, which they bought over the counter. So that's guerrilla filmmaking. Like, mm-hmm. We're screwed. we got to come up with something. They came up with something. My favorite thing, you may know this. Some of you in the audience may not know this. Who is the original guy in the Predator suit? Billy Crystal. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Nice. Jean-Claude Van Damme, the muscles from Brussels, was reportedly fired from the movie because he complained too much about how uncomfortable the suit was. (laughs) Also, no one told him that he was going to be wearing a suit. (laughs) Well, you can see why he would complain. So he is this buff action star to be nascent in his development, but clearly he's got goals and visions of what he wants to accomplish. He gets hired to be in a Schwarzenegger movie. He gets brought out to the jungle and they're like, here, put this on. Here's your big metal suit. I hate this suit. I hate it. There's a little thing on YouTube, which I'll link to. I hate this suit. They just talk about their laugh and talk about how much he bitched about it. He had no idea. He had no idea. Well, now I'm glad you're reading you. Things, there you the go. things I did not know. Uh, and number 11, here's more how movies get made on the fly, despite how much you plan. The original design for the Predator was scrapped in the middle of production. Mm. The original suit resembled a lanky, bug-eyed insect, but McTiernan didn't think it was scary enough. He halted production on the entire movie so it could be redesigned. Schwarzenegger personally tapped the effects wizard Stan Winston to revamp the Predator designs. Winston had previously designed Schwarzenegger's famous robot skeleton in The Terminator. Yep, that's great. The break in production, this is number 12, was actually a blessing in disguise. The stop in production to redesign the Predator allowed the filmmakers to edit an hour of the movie together to show the studio. 
Studio liked it so much, they gave the production more money to create bigger action sequences, and the last third of the movie, once filming, picked back up. I think most of that was spent on fireworks. Probably. For the, the final and, well, spectacular. And glow sticks. And glow sticks. Hey, those aren't cheap. <laughs> they're not. I mean, they're pretty cheap, actually. Well, and you got to buy a thousand of them. Maybe. <laughs> okay, that's true. Um, James Cameron partly inspired the creature's new design. While on a flight during the production of Aliens, Cameron mentioned to Stan Winston, who was sketching ideas for the new Predator, that he always wanted to see a monster with mandibles. Winston added the oral appendages to the final drawing of the updated Predator. Interesting. Yeah. Number 14, uh, the updated Predator suit was no picnic to wear. The fully functioning suit weighed upwards of 200 pounds, which was a lot of weight for Kevin Peter Hall, the seven-foot-tall ballet dancer, martial arts expert, and actor they brought in to replace Van Damme. Hmm. Big dude. Pictures of him next to the crew are awesome. He's yeah. huge. Yeah. He's huge. And number 15, Optimus Prime and the Predator have the same voice. <laughs> okay. That's Pe- cool. Peter Cullen, who is uncredited in Predator, provided the voice for both. Interesting. There's 15 things you may not have known about Predator. I may not Predator. have known. That's yeah. true. All right. So we hope that you guys have enjoyed this episode 20 of Story Smack. We uh, were gone for a little while there. Yeah. But yeah. I think we're back on track. We had a lot of... Uh, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff go on May, June. So... Um, hopefully we'll see you next week. But if in the meantime, you think of a movie or a TV show or a book or a story that you would like us to talk about, please email your idea to info at emptyset.com. Next episode, we're going to go much further into the Wayback Machine to cover a movie that is often held up as an example of the perfect oh, screenplay. The perfect screenplay. I wonder whatever that could be. Hmm. We'll have to wait and see. We will. You can find us both online. Scott is at Scott Sigler on Twitter and Instagram, and his Facebook page is facebook.com slash Scott Sigler. I'm at a real girl on Twitter and at a.real.girl on Instagram. You can find us online at scottsigler.com slash storiesmack. We'd love to see your comments there. And you can always find us in iTunes. Search for Scott Sigler Audiobooks and subscribe. And you'll get a free, a free audiobook episode every Sunday and a big hit of Story Smack every Friday. And until next week, we will talk to you all real soon. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.